Last week was good, wasn't it? Having the submission pastors in were amazing, encouraging, uplifting. Amen? Amen. Y'all remember the title of the fellowship? Uh, the fellowship. The, I remember it. The title of uh, last week's message? Forged in fellowship. That was an on-time word. Felt like a reset to me. We've been there, originated there, lived there. And hey, I think we're there again. Amen? And particularly, I'm sure that you took away many good things from such a phenomenal message, but Acts chapter 1 is actually what stood out to me. Listen to what Acts chapter 1 says as we begin our message today. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Do you remember that point that they made? That one stuck out to me very specifically. Until the day he was taken up from heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And I don't think he has, he has had to prove himself ever again. At least he should not have. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about your personal salvation. No, that's not what it says. About the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Not a suggestion, a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. Saints, I wonder how many of us have treated this command of Jesus like a suggestion. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize and immerse you in the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit? Baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just so you can speak in tongue and dream prophetic dreams. It's actually empowerment to be a witness. An empowerment to do his will. An empowerment to advance and not become stagnant. How many of you know the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit that many of you have received in this place was not just for that day. It was also for today. How many of you want to know how to unlock that reality? Are we going to talk about that today? Reinhard Bonnke, a man who is now with Jesus and saw millions and millions and millions in Africa come to Jesus, had this quote that was very much his life. You can pray about the will of God, but I'm going to run you over doing the will of God. Saints, there are thinkers in the kingdom and there are doers. And I'm telling you, you're standing right here in front of a doer. Oh, we think about it before we do it, but often we do it and then have to think about it. Either way, we're dependent upon the Lord. Amen. Amen. I would prefer that you do the will of God and ask him to show you along the way. Then think about it and never do his will. Never lose your keys. I do. You know why? Look. See this little hook on mine? You know, like a camera light. See that hook? Right? I cured that. It just hangs in my pocket all the time. Right? So now I'm trained. Like subconsciously, I just walk out. Tap, 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 go. Okay, wallet, keys, gone. 
right? If I tap something on there, stop, pause. I'm not going anywhere. Why? How many of you got here in a vehicle this morning? How many of you did so without your keys? Our message this morning is going to be, where's my keys? You ever ask yourself that question? When you ask yourself that question, is there an urgency that begins to grow after that? Like, where's my keys? And immediately it's like, where's my keys? No, 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 where's my keys? Right? And then frustration sets in, like, where's my keys? Right? Jennifer, where's my keys? Like, it's not my fault, it's your fault. Where's my keys? Right? In case you ever do that. Right, Kendall, where's my keys, Kendall? And Kendall's like, it's your keys. Where's my keys? Any of you ever play Monopoly? Right, the board game Monopoly? Right, one of you get in a vehicle and you like take this journey around a board and there's like jail and don't pass go and right, and you're, and you're on this journey kind of taking a state along the way, right? You become a realtor all of a sudden, something you've never been. Right. You're just you're just before long, if you can dominate the real estate, then you grow a monopoly. But somewhere along the way, there's like don't pass go. And you're like and then there's like, OK, well, I go to jail. Anybody? Just me. Yeah. Well, you got in. You started by getting in a vehicle and taking the journey. Joshua, where's your keys? I have them. Morgan, where's your keys? I have them. Ashlyn, where's your keys? I have them. I have the keys. I have the keys. I have the keys. I have your keys. Yeah, see, that's the problem. I can't, you can't get anywhere when I have your keys to your vehicle. You need your keys to get anywhere in your vehicle. It does me no good to have your keys. Oh, Colossians has got a beautiful one-liner that we just read over day in and day out that is a key in the kingdom to victorious living. Because you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, don't you? Well, how many of you know being filled with the Holy Spirit is not something that happened to you 10 years ago? It's something that can happen to you today and must. Somebody say must. Must happen to you, through you, for you, so that you can live for him. Amen? Saints, our monopoly mentality has caused us to pass go, not pay the costs, and become imprisoned in a life put on perpetual pause, waiting for power that only comes through putting in the practice the radical trust that you displayed in a moment on the day you got saved, but have not displayed since. That's a monopoly mentality. Don't pass go. And all of a sudden you end up in a prison on pause of your own making. Says this church has taken the last year to pause and to restore to you your identity. We have now restored that identity and it's time for you to get off pause and back to work. But for that, you need your keys. 
Jesus clearly says that he chose his disciples to be witnesses. That word is martyrs, give up their life so that Christ Jesus might be on display through them. And examples of his ongoing power for their entire life, not just a one-time moment. It wasn't even Rick Carpenter in an altar back then. Hello. Says they were, these were men who applied the words of Jesus and proved him true over time. He didn't need to prove himself. They proved him. How? By what they did. Revelation says it's your deeds that follow you. Jesus himself came as a chief example for you in case you had a hard time believing what actually came out of these men's life, his disciples. Anybody, anybody love Jesus but have a little hard time listening to what comes out of his disciples' mouths? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Saints, both Jesus and his disciples had to be immersed into a lifestyle of trust-grounded obedience to the Father. Both had to wait on Yahweh's time Timing to be empowered and both had to be ready to put it into full practice. Somebody say full practice, full practice of what was commanded when that time was over. Saints, there is, an, a, there is a time for you to wait to be empowered from the Holy Ghost and there's a time for you to do something with it. Saints, whether you have passed go without paying a price that price of obedience or whether you have waited and were initially empowered and then moved on from that moment today i got a key for you i got a key for the king from the kingdom to unlock unlock victorious living in every single day you want that yeah somebody say where's my keys well i'm about to ask you where's your keys because it looks like that i have some of your keys in here that should be in your pocket and other of you are sitting on your keys right now but all of us have to actually utilize them and put them into practice amen turn with me to colossians 2 6 through 7 and you're going to put this little key in your pocket for your journey that we're taking together so that we might advance the kingdom and monopolize the kingdom of darkness and turn it into the kingdom of light amen Somebody say, found my key when I get there. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. You see, the reason I got this early on is because my first Bible was the New King James Version. And it just so says this, just pretty accurately. Some of your translations have omitted a word or two, right? Unjustifiably so. And so it's not helped you get this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this key back this morning. Amen. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, Therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Root it and built up in him and establish in the faith as you have been taught. You need to abound in it with thanksgiving. You see, some of your translations makes you think that he's talking about abounding in thanksgiving. No, you can't even get through the gates of praise without thanksgiving to participate in all that he is. No, you need to abound in something that he's telling you right here. And we're going to clarify that for you this morning. Just as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, 
You need to walk in him. Oh, by the time he's done, he says, and you need to abound in it. Saints, it's the little things in life, like a key that holds the access to all things. The little things. This, these keys in here, right, are small and insignificant, but not to you when you need to get somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Not so good when I'm holding them and you're not. Good for me, not so good for you. I got a couple avenues to go somewhere now, but you're stuck. They seem so small, don't they? Seemingly insignificant, yet we are absent-minded and leave these things behind. And they keep us from walking through open doors and keep us out in the cold. How'd you first receive Christ? Joshua, how'd you first receive Christ? Through others. The Lord spoke to me on my front porch. Anybody else? Dylan, how'd you first receive Christ? <laughs> He's <a> Hutchinson. <laughs> Bring it down, son. All right? All right? Landon, how'd you first receive Christ? Somebody pray for you or... Somebody told me and then I... Believed, okay, right? And therefore I received. Saints, how did you receive Christ? You didn't just fall into this thing. Or you may need to back up and like, get saved anyway. He spoke to me on my front porch. You may have heard a message and responded to it. You may have grew up in an environment that actually demonstrated Jesus and you're replicating it. You may have believed it and received it. You know, on the contrary of John Calvin's irresponsible gospel, your biblical, your Bible actually it says that you had to repent to even be able to realize it. So what is it? The it is the key, and the key is exactly what's written right here in Colossians. Just as you received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, abounding in it. I'm slow walking this thing for you because if you get it, I'll give you a key. You walk out of here, and we're going to stop. We're going to keep you from being on pause. So what does Paul mean by just as you received Christ, so walk in him? This word received here is paralabeno. Oh yeah, that's as Greek, as accurate as it can be. It means to join oneself to. Receive means to join oneself to. Receive means to accept, watch this, and not reject. And that's not a one-time thing, it's an everyday thing. Receive means to... You're like this when it was, it, the definition says receive something transmitted. I don't know what you think about when you think transmitted. Joshua's in infectious diseases, so you might be thinking an STD or something. I mean, yeah, supernaturally transmitted divinity. Sure. Yeah. But if you transmitted something today, 
it would actually fundamentally, physically change your actions. Am I right? Because something fundamentally inside is actually different. Saints, Jesus is not an STD and he's most definitely not an it. But the truth that you have placed in the trust that you have placed in everything that he has done for you, everything that he is and everything that he possibly could do, that's the it. That's the it. And he's saying you need to abound in it. To join yourself to one. You need to abound in that. To accept and not to reject. You got to abound in that. You got to walk in that. Not just believe that for a few years ago. You got to receive that as though you received something that was transmitted to you. Saints, when you truly receive it, you are fundamentally different and it will cause you to do life different. Mark 1.1 says... This, he says, in the beginning, the gospel, watch this, about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He starts off the gospel like this. He's, listen, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. You know who that means it's not about? You. That's why he can say, listen, the gospel is about the kingdom. Why? Because, we're, because at the centrality of that is the king. So what is the good news? What's the gospel about? Saints, it's not about you. It's about King Yeshua on his throne. He's the centrality of all things. Amen. That's what Colossians goes on to say. Anybody been reading Colossians with us since we've actually been picking it apart for you? He's the centrality of all things. In him, all things hold together. Do you, mean, do you know that that actually means that he is what's holding you together? He's your stability, and when you're unstable, you need to question your relationship with him. He's what holds all things together. Revelation 3, 7 says, And the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no man can open. Hey, saints, he's got the key. And the truth is, he's the key. Verse 2 of Matthew 1. It is written in the eyes... It, it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare a way. Right. Spoken of in worship, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. That was a man doing something in order that the hearts of men might be prepared to receive what was coming. John was a key that unlocked the door so that it'd be open when Messiah would come. That means I might have a key for you, but it actually belongs to you. So John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Look what he says in verse 7, and this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than me. 
The thongs of whom sandals I am not worthy of stooping down to untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptizing and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven torn open and the spirit descending like a dove. <laughs> and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. You know why that's such good for news for you? Because you're hidden in him. Therefore, he loves you equally the same. I love what happens next because there's a pattern that repeats in your life that you really need to get, saints. Verse 14, and John was put in prison and Jesus went to the, into Galilee proclaiming, watch this, the good news of God. And he says, a time has come. When? Has come. For you, that's past tense. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Watch this. Repent and believe. Yeah. Repent and believe. And not only that, he goes on to say, repent, believe, follow me, come and be transformed into something that you're not. Repent, believe, follow me, and you'll be transformed along the way. Oh, that's your daily pattern, saints. That's not a lifetime. It's repetitive. I want to remind you this morning that pattern doesn't change. I heard somebody say the other day, the only constant thing about change is change itself. And if you're constantly being transformed, then why are you so worried when things just change? You shouldn't be. You should get excited. Day one, when our house burned, I was worried. By day two, I was excited. Lord, what are you doing? Boy, has he done some things. The pattern, you must turn from darkness in order to actually believe the good news about the reality of Jesus so that you can be empowered to follow him in order to transform you into something that you we're not the day that you met him. Light. He's taken you from darkness and made you light. And now your entire life is fundamentally different. Now you can kick against the goads all you want, but you'll never be happy because he's made you holy and set apart for him. So the things that you run to in order to get pleasure and be pleased and happiness no longer works any longer. You can try, but it's a vain effort, my friends. Your house is no longer your own. Your, your bank account's no longer your own. Your time's no longer your own. Your energy's no longer your own. It all belongs to him. And when you get in line with that and understand that, you'll actually get a, bit, a little bit of happiness out of that. You'll get a little, little joy out of that when you get that. But until then, you are shooting yourself in your own foot. Not 2 Corinthians. Colossians 2 six through seven therefore just as you received christ jesus the lord pause comma stop think about it now walk in him rooted and built up in him establishing the faith as you were taught and abounding in it 
Be thankful, too. Yeah. How'd you receive Christ, saints? Like a child. What did you know on day one compared to what you know now? Was it your knowledge that saved you? Apparently not. What have you experienced since then that you did not experience now? I guess it wasn't your experience that saved you. I guess it wasn't your intellect or your great understanding. No, you received him like a child. You had a radical faith. You had a radical trust in a moment. And if that, if that could happen in a moment, why can't it happen in a, a lifetime? You see, in that moment, you were handed a key. But is it in your pocket? Or is it where it should be? You had a radical faith. All of a sudden, Landon said, somebody said something to me and I believed it. You're like, try that in all things. Not all of those are going to be saving grace for you for a return. Right? I believe I can walk out into uh, the interstate over there and I'm not going to get hit by a car. Okay. Apparently you're going to see King Jesus a little sooner than me. Oh, that's a good word for you charismatics in here. I feel like I'm going to walk out in the interstate and uh, the Lord's going to show me himself there. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. When I'm looking at you on the pavement and doing your funeral, I say, that was a prophet right there. <laughs> Come on, saints. When you received him, you had a childlike faith. You had a radical faith. Saints, maybe you were desperate. Maybe that was you. Maybe you were desperate, so you turned to him. Maybe you were convinced, finally, so you turned to him. Maybe you were impacted by something or someone, so you received him. Is that you today, saints? Because it's still the key to your victorious living. Or has your maturity produced procrastination? Has your maturity produced procrastination? Are you as just going home for Jesus as day one? Well, I'm just being responsible, Pastor. No, you're being rebellious. Saints, the day you gave your life to Jesus, you were so desperate because every other thing you trusted had failed. That it failed you. And the only thing you were left with was this Jesus they talk about. And he accepted your desperate faith. The day you gave your life to Jesus was the day that your skepticism finally bowed to the truth and were convinced of something you were not convinced of previously. And he received that skeptical faith. The day you were impacted by Jesus was the day that your dead heart finally moved, was moved by God and you surrendered to his son. And he received that dead faith. Saints, here's my simple question for you this morning. And a key to the kingdom, if you will receive it. If that type of approach worked for then... Why do you think it is any different now? It's not. It's not. It's not. I don't hold your keys. You do. 
I don't hold your keys. You do. Repent. Believe. Follow me and be transformed. Repent. Believe. Follow me and be transformed. The key for salvation is the same key for victorious living. It has not changed. It is not complicated. That's you. What about the spiritual gifts? Well, this one prophesies and I don't, and I really admire that and wish that, but, uh, you know, I'm going to wait for Jesus to give me my key and unlock that door for me. Repent. Believe. Follow me. And I'll transform you. Oh, I need that healing. Repent. Believe. Follow me. I'll be transformed. My personal holiness, repent, believe. Follow me, and I'll transform your healing. My internal deliverance, I seem to pout more than I praise. Repent. Not believe and repent. Repent. Then believe. Then follow him. Then be transformed. Don't be transformed. Don't follow him. No, 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 no. Don't pass. Go, go back. Go back to the prison where you were and do what it takes to get out. Use the key to get out and the keys repent. Then believe. Then follow him out so that you'll be transformed along the way and not make it back there. Saints, you've been set free. Come on. I said you've been set free. And the only prison you live in is the one that you build in disbelief, in discouragement, and doubt. You build prisons of disbelief, discouragement, and doubt. And when you find yourself in a prison, King Jesus didn't put you there. You put you there. But the good news is, I don't have your keys. You do. Did you see what Colossians said? It said, therefore. That means it is therefore something. And previously, there was something spoken about that it was there for. That statement is there because Colossians 1, 25 to 29 is already there. He says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. But it is now when is now in your Bible now. No, it was then. So therefore, something has been unlocked. A door's been opened that he has not closed and it still remains open for you. It is now disclosed to the saints. You a saint in here? Yes, you sanctified. Come on. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that's you, the glorious riches of this mystery. What mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm looking out and I see the glory of Christ sitting in every single one of you. Oh, some of you are a little more mystery than the others. And some of you are not because you got your keys and you're using them. And others of you, you didn't even know your keys were hanging out in your pocket. You thought I had them. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ inside of you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everything with all wisdom. Watch this. So that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. 
How many of you hate that word perfect? How many of you love that word? Uh huh. To present you as perfect. To this end I labor, struggling in all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Sound like Paul had his key. He's like, I got my key. They said, I don't have your key. You have your key. That word perfect is teleos. You know what it means? Completely whole. You want to be completely whole? Do you want to be completely whole? This is what it takes. Not just getting saved five years ago. It takes walking in the faith that you displayed on day one a long time ago. Key. Boom, boom. Let's go. Do you want to be whole, saints? Do you want to be healed? Not all, not all healing is instantaneously. Hey, Joe. Physical therapy goes a long way. That's why my back's still the way it is. He didn't tell me what I need to do to fix it. I'm just lazy and don't want to do it. How many of us in here are lazy and don't want to actually put the word into practice so that we might receive our healing? We just keep on waiting until Jesus might just give it to us. Mm. Yeah. Saints, some healing is reserved for those who walk in it to get it through physical therapy or spiritual physical therapy. Some keys are keys to a car and other keys are keys to a treadmill in the kingdom. If he shows you that you are going to receive healing, are you willing to get up and go get it? Or the next day after you heard from the Lord that he's going to heal you and you don't see physical manifestations of it already, do you stop believing Therefore, stop receiving what was coming to you because you gave up in the 11th hour. Hey, he's not just a phys, uh, what do you call him? Uh, physician. He's a physical therapist. Saints, you can be saved but unhealthy. <laughs> Light bulb. You can be saved but unhealthy. And the key to changing that is putting into practice every day what you displayed in a moment the first day that you met Jesus and decided to respond in faith. Have you lost your keys, saints? Have you lost your keys this morning? I want to help you find them. Some of you have lost your keys. Saints, the day that I said yes to Jesus was a radical step of faith because what I believed was met with action and it changed my entire eternity. And I wasn't church for one day. Nobody taught me the Bible. I never cracked open the thing. Hello. But I put in the action what he had spoke to me in a in just a just a what do you call it? Just just very faint. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that with all my heart. I'm going to do that with all my heart. And it was a key that opened up all things. Saints, what if you did that in your situations and your circumstances today? And the things you believe in God for are not so much believing God for anymore than you should be. Hmm. Yeah. So now that I find my life in the realm of time instead of this realm of eternity, 
it takes the same type of radical faith in order to get the dramatic change that happened to me on day one when I met Jesus without an understanding. Are you following me? In that moment, I displayed such a radical faith to what I had been living, it changed my entire eternity. And somewhere along the way, we think that that, that, that actually changes for anything else that comes in our life. Well, I mean, that worked for me for eternity, but that, won't work, that, that type of faith won't work for me in time. This is what Colossians is telling you. As you receive Christ, so walk in him. Do the same thing. Praise God. That's not complicated. That means you already have the answer, saints. Are you in need of healing? Well, then put into action the same type of faith you showed on day one. Do you want to speak in tongues? Anybody in here like still working through those things? Then do the same thing you did on day one when you were saved. Be convinced it's for you and move your tongue. Do you want to prophesy? Open your mouth and speak. Do you want to stop being dominated by darkness, right? Then confess the reality of what's actually going on in that heart of yours and put it in the light. Do you want to stop feeling guilty for feeling one way and acting another? Then start being brutally honest and trust Jesus to save you from the circumstances of that. The same way that you received your initial salvation is the exact same way that you receive the freedom of all these other things. All of them. You want to praise Jesus today, but you're a little bit pitiful. Right. Then put on some praise and expect that to drive out your pity. It's the same key because the key is your trust in the ability of Jesus to work these things out when you participate in them by your faith filled with actions. Saints, I'm looking at 32. I'm looking at 32 must do's on my notes right now. I'll read them all to you. Must do's, must do's. In order to unlock doors. Just in Colossians. 32's. You must be rooted in Christ. Colossians 2.7. You know what that means? You, you must not be spiritually nomadic. Spiritually ungrounded. Never fully present. I'm here but you're not present. You're not fully present. You must be rooted. You must be Built up inside of Christ, not outside of him looking in. You must believe that you're in him and he's telling you the truth. Right. And that you might be built up inside of him. You know what that means? That means you can't be stagnant. That means the same maturity that you had last year, you can't accept this year. That means if you have the same maturity that you had 12 months ago, don't tell yourself that you're maturing. Tell yourself the truth that you're stagnant and you have not built another stone upon the one that's already built up in you. You must be established in, watch this, the faith. Somebody say the faith. That means you're not easily moved, not flaky. Every YouTube 
phenomenal pastor doesn't just pull you over here on this train and that train and this wagon and that wagon and never be where God called you. You know all the conspiracy gospels, right? All those people who are worried about the economy failing all the time, anxious about loss in their life. Saints, that's not established in the faith. He says you must abound in faith, Colossians 2, 7. You know what that means, abound? That means you're not flying under the radar. you got to abound. You're not looking for what you can get away with and still be saved. Concessions. That's not you. I wonder if I can do this but still be, you know, okay with Jesus. That's not abounding. I'm just content with being a gatekeeper in the house of God. Repent. Repent. That's false Christian humility. You must be joyful, Colossians 2.7 says again. <laughs> you thought that was a suggestion when you're feeling tells you it's okay to do so. No, that's a command, like be joyful. Like I'm going to put on joy while I'm faking it. No, you're putting on an attitude of Christ and your feelings will follow. Right? You're not faking your actions. You may be faking your feelings in the moment. Or you can be joyful Right. And your feelings will follow. Do it. See, like you don't know because you haven't put it into practice. I know because I have. Be aware of deception. You know what that means? Don't be naive and easily fooled. Read your Bible. It's where discernment comes from. Hello. Always caught off guard by life's challenges. That's because you're not aware. You want to do everything in life and, and get the return from that, but you don't want to do everything in the kingdom and get a return from that. So you remain naive, and when things catch you off guard, you're like, oh, help. No. And on and on and on and on these goes. Let no man judge you of your new moons, festivals. You want to keep them good, but don't let him judge you on them. You won't want to keep them good. But don't let him judge you on them. Let Jesus judge you. That's just like five of them. I thought I got 32 of these dudes, right? That's for a seminar, not for a Sunday morning. Hmm. You must let God's word dwell in you. You must be thankful. You must put on divine love. You must let God's shalom rule. You must continuously pray. You must watch and be thankful. You must walk in wisdom. You must redeem the time. That means you can't be lazy. You got to get to work. Saints, there's so many things that you must do in life to open up the doors of freedom, but all of them are unlocked by the same key. You see, when I say must do's, you think in a legalistic mindset. No, 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 no. When I say must do, I say you must do this if you want some freedom. It's a free access. Why? Because you have the key and the doors open to you if you'll unlock it. That's not legalistic. That's freedom. That's responsibility. Hmm. The same way that you already proved that you could do on day one when you're saved is what you can prove to yourself today when you unlock these things in that trust grounded obedience. Saints, faith that cannot be seen is not biblical faith. Oh, you're not following me today. 
Faith that cannot be seen is not biblical faith. So don't tell me that you are called to Turkey if you're not currently learning the language. Don't expect me to believe that you are called to be a pastor if you're not, if you're a total introvert who invites nobody into their lives and can't find the book of Genesis. Do not try to convince me that you are ready to be married if you have no job and cannot find Ephesians 5. Do not tell me that you are supposed to be a business owner, but you never want to be there. 1 John 2, 4 says, the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Man, the worst liar is the one that lies to himself. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, if they obey his word, if they obey his word, if they obey his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. He gets whole. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him, watch this, must walk as Jesus walked. It does not say must teach as Jesus taught. It says you must walk like he walked. How did Jesus walk out his life? In full submitted trust to the Father's seen, watch this, and unseen will for his life. Saints, some things he had to realize about himself after reading the word and seeing himself in the word and putting into practice that character that he saw about himself in the word. He reads Isaiah and is saying, man, I read that and I'm like, ooh, got a witness, that's me. Oh, I'm going to do it in the synagogue. And they're like, we don't think that's you. Whatever. The Lord spoke, that's me. Other things he had to hear in prayer, and even though his friends did not hear the same thing, he had to be obedient to what he had heard and walk it out until it became a reality and his friends realized they were wrong. And you know what he didn't do along the way? Assassinate them because they didn't agree with him. He didn't assassinate their character. He didn't tear them down. He didn't belittle them in order to magnify himself and make himself feel better. Colossians 2, 6, therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus, therefore, so walk in him. Saints, this is a tiny key to a very victorious door. I said it's a tiny key to a very victorious door. Saints, when you get this revelation, that same lifestyle of faith that saved you is the same lifestyle of faith that can deliver you that can heal you, that can set you free. You just got to stop overlooking your keys because they're right in front of you. Oh, Revelation 1.18, Jesus says, I hold the keys to death and Hades. But you know what he says in Matthew 16? You, like Peter, hold the keys to the kingdom. He doesn't hold the keys to the kingdom. He gave them to you. He holds the keys to death and to Hades, but he passed on the keys of the kingdom to you. Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came to a region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Immerser, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah the prophets or the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the key. You're the key of David. 
Jesus replied, blessed are you, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man. That's a poor preaching going around. But my father in heaven gave you this directly. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And it's going to be right here on earth. And when you unlock them, they'll go from heaven to earth. Whatever you bind on earth, you will be bound in heaven. That's called authority. Y'all know about that. That's called authority. When people know about this, they say, that's authority. Because <laughs> they realize it's got some mm behind it. Man, I unlocked that door and like, Phew. So I'm going to stop saying authority. I'm going to say authority. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Oh, y'all not following me today. Hmm. Christopher, the Lord spoke to you about going Turkey, right? Well, then come get your keys. Come get your keys, right? Because I don't hold your keys. You hold your keys. You can come on, right? Come get these keys. Because you have your keys. Yours in there? You don't have no keys? Good. Take those. There you go. I don't know whose keys I got. Whose keys do I have? Avery, I got your keys, Right? Your keys don't belong to me. They belong to you. Come get them. Right? You're looking for a healing in your back? Right? You got the key. You got the key. Right? You're looking for, you're looking for answers to jobs and, and healing in your back? You got the key. Right? I give you the key and death and hell will not prevail. Amen. Ashlyn, I got your keys. Where you at? Right? Ashlyn, right? She's patiently waiting for her husband. Come on. She got the key. She got the key. Come on. I don't got her key. I'm just preparing her, right, for when she got to open that door. She's got the key. Hunters, where you at? Brittany, come get these. Uh, no, Morgan, come get these for Brittany, right? Because Morgan's holding the key to Brittany's healing. Come on. He's a husband. He's the authority in the house. Right now, he's got the key that's already happened. Right. He's got to just turn on the ignition. Let's go. Right. We got to put into practice what's we all, what we already have. Who else I got in here? Kendall, where you at? Where you at? She's not even in. She's not going to receive the key. Yeah. Dylan, where you at? I got your key, son. Oh, yeah. Look, Dylan. Dylan's been waiting. Dylan's been waiting on a wife. Wait no longer, son. Wait no longer. We're putting that key in the ignition. Whoa, come on. Joshua, where are you at? Uh-uh. Oh, look, see, that's how it should be. That's it right there. Joshua, Joshua been believing the Lord for a wife. Come on. Come on. Kendall, Kendall's got the key to them babies right there. Let's go. Right? I don't got your key. You got the key. You got the key. See, when you got the keys, I'll stop being so noisy. <laughs> Saints, in retrospect, why is it so easy for you to walk in a saving relationship with God, but so difficult to walk into the delivering power of his son right now? Why was it so easy for you to <clears throat> get saved 
Do you remember the hard work you had to do to get saved? No, you're like, I got saved. Praise the Lord. Right? But you find it so difficult to walk into the delivering power of his son right now. It's because you're waiting on him to unlock a life that he's already gave you the key to. Saints, it's time that you stop trying to live this life with what you don't have and start living it with what you do. I said it's time to stop living this life with what you don't have and start living it with what you do. I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have this. Anybody got that mentality? I am not this. When I have this, I finally will. No. No, saints. You have permission. You have access. And where there is not an open door in the kingdom, if it's the kingdom, you can unlock it. By putting into practice that trust in that particular area in your life that you displayed on day one. Mm, Come on. I lose somebody up in here. Saints, it's time. That is what it means to walk out the faith in Christ Jesus. You're Americans, most of you. So you've been taught somewhere along the way in your Western perspective that believing in in Christ is the thing you do that's floating around in your head. No, Hebraically speaking, believing in him is what you do with your feet. Or you're not believing him. You can pray about the will of God. I'm going to run you over doing the will of God. Hello. Hmm. This is what it means to walk in the faith of Christ. The same faith that he walked in. Saints, he didn't stay in the baptism pool. (laughs) He didn't stay in the baptism pool on the day that his father descended like a dove on him and said, I'm well pleased with you. And it was such a good feeling. He just wanted to hang out there and float in his floaty all day. And he called that, hey, come on, arms wide open. Come with me. My father loves me. Come into this love with me. Let's hang out on this floaty all day and get baptized all the time. That's what we call immersion. No. Terrible, terrible, terrible destination. It was the initiation. Because he knew that the father loved him. He was so convinced on the fact, zero doubt in his mind. He's like, I got the father's love. Shoot, that's my key to the king. Let's go. And he never questioned it again. He just moved forward. You know why? And what he did from there? He then demonstrated the faith. The faith that you now see. Good thing he didn't teach and just sit from a, the lowest place in the synagogue his entire life and said, I'm going to just kind of like everything from Jerusalem right here. Right? Teach, 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 teach. That's not what he did. No, he demonstrated the faith, the trust, ground, the obedience in the Father. Matthew 24.10 actually says something about the faith. It says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. What time? Your time. They're going to turn around from the faith, something called the faith. Somebody say the faith. faith. 
Saints, many sit in churches this morning but have walked away from the faith a long time ago. They display faith, but so do Muslims. They display faith, but so do Hindus. They display faith, but so does Oprah. But that is not the faith that Jesus walked out. I said, that's not the faith that Jesus walked out. Jesus trusted his father in a way that looked radical to the religious. It looked counterculture to his society. It looked risky to his parents. It looked irresponsible to the conservatives and not worth following to those who actually didn't love his father. Now, I wonder some don't continue with you. Acts 6-7 also said something about the faith. It said a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's an interesting thought for a Hebraic priest because if you looked at him on that day, you would say, man, that's a faithful man. But you know what Jesus would say? No, he's not. Because he's not walking like me. So therefore, he is not walking in the faith. He's walking in somebody's faith, but not the faith. Acts 14 says something about that too. It says that the disciples went around strengthening other disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. He said we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Saints, why encourage disciples to stay true to the faith? If it's all the same. Because there were many other ways to serve Yahweh that did not unlock kingdom power. That did not include saving grace. That did not include resurrection power. But you have the key to unlock the grave. Acts 16.5 says this. So the churches were strengthened. Watch this. In the faith. And because so they grew daily in numbers. Saints when we get this. The growth of this particular church is going to change. Because you're going to get in your vehicle and do what you do in the kingdom. And stop showing up and having a man behind a pulpit do it for you in your mind at least. You're going to get out there and, and your, your Sunday evangelism is not going to be the social kind of like click that you've made it. It's actually going to be out there reaching souls. And when you come across a Christian, you're going to strengthen them in the faith. And when you come across an unbeliever, you're going to tell them about the God who created them and has invited them into life and out of the domination of darkness. And when you're having your dinners each week, you're going to stop doing it alone and start doing it with others. And you're going to look for strangers, not just Christians. Amen. And they were strengthened in the faith. Saints, when we become people who walk out or walk in the faith that Jesus and his disciples did, it'll be like taking the keys out of your pocket and open up a whole new dimension of life. Mm. Anybody get bored with life? That's because you have not opened up the door of the kingdom. Saints, you will no longer be operating off the power you received when you got saved five years ago. Call that old bread. I call that a crouton. <laughs> they tear up your mouth. Not good. You'll receive fresh anointing for today's challenges. You need some anointing for today's challenges, right? Then use the key that's in your pocket. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians 16, 13 said, be on guard. Stand firm. Watch this. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Be strong. 
Jesus was not a wussy. He was the embodiment of strength. Get up, man, and be strong. Be confident. Be bold. Be full of the word. Know who, who you belong to. Know the God that you serve. Know that he'll smite your enemies for you. He who is in you is greater than anything in this world. Second Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Saints, Christians should not exempt themselves from the test. Everybody gets tested in this world. The wicked and the righteous. You test you test yourself every time you step out and believe for God for something big. Is the last big thing that you did for God was when you got saved? You need to get over yourself and get in the kingdom and work for God. Every time that you believe God for something big, you're unlocking. You're using the key that was given to you. Every time, every time that you believe God, for something new or for the impossible things, you have given an opportunity to use that key. Do you understand that? And you know what? It's going to take being bold. It's going to take being bold. It's going to take being childlike. It's going to take having big faith, not small faith. That same faith that you had on day one is that same faith that it takes today. That big faith that you had when you first got saved, you know that kind of faith I'm talking about, right? The one before you came, became too smart to no longer know how to use the key given to you? That's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. Ephesians 4.12 says, these things must happen and you must be built up or abounding in these things, right? Until we reach unity in the faith. You look around, you're like, the whole of Christendom has faith absolutely false yes some have the faith and you can see it and in the knowledge of the son of God and became true attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ <laughs> all of us are like man I can't wait to just get that full measure mm. gotta put in the ignition turn on the key saints if you have been tested and found yourself faithful to something other then the same type of faith that Jesus displayed, then you have good news this morning. All you have to do is repent, believe, follow, and be transformed. <laughs> Not complicated. You simply believe by putting one foot in front of the other and doing the first right thing that he said. That's it. That's it. You're looking for a thousand words from the Lord? No, just do the last thing he told you. One foot in front of the other. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. Right? And each step is a key that opens up the next door. Each one. Hmm. Romans 13, 11 says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up. For you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. 
The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Saints, that word salvation, our salvation is nearer now than we first believed, is sozo. Salvation, it's healing, it's wholeness. Do you realize that? That means every progressive step of faith as your faith is growing more and more and more, you're stepping closer and closer and closer to your wholeness. You are being healed along the way. When you walk in it. Therefore, just like the day that you finally received Christ Jesus, Today, walk in it. And this is what he says that we begin to close out. In case you needed a few details on how to do it, he says you got to be rooted. You got to be rooted. You got to be built up. You got to be established. You got to be taught. And you got to abound in it. Thank you, Paul, for that. Some of us are a little bit numb, a little bit dense, and need an explanation. So I'm going to give it to you as we close out. You got to be rooted. Some of you have seen Jesus do miraculous things, but you're still shallow. That's because you drew close enough to Jesus to get saved a long time ago, but you have kept your distance from the church ever since then. You can't do that. We are his body. You must practice the faith by practicing being rooted in your church family. You must be built up inside of him. That means your old perspective of like, I don't know if he loves me, is sin. Stop it. You have to be built up in him. This word for built up is a, lot, is a, is a compound word. One half of it is like oikaranome, being built up one stone at a time. And I love how it starts. The other half is epic. <laughs> it's epic. It's where we get our word epic. You, you know why that's beautiful? The definition is literally you have to epically build your life. <laughs> you got to be rooted and then you got to build an epic life. Oh, you're not following me. Stop settling for less. Stop settling for less. Oh, well, I don't know if I can have that lady. Mm, that's too much for me. Mm-mm. No, that's yes, your key. It's sitting right in front of you. been overlooking it your whole life. Hello? That's epic. Come on, Joshua, that's epic. Stop settling for less. Humbly submit to being a new supernatural species chosen by God to see signs and wonders and overcome impossible things. Stop limiting yourself to possible things, to your calendar and your time and your schedule and your energy. Seek him for impossible things. That's epic. That's who you are, saints, and your life is going to be filled with impossible, impossible situations. Because when you finally meet Jesus, you're going to be able to look back and say, look at the legacy we left. <laughs> look at the legacy we left. Yeah, I mean, people tell me about me every day. I'm like, you weren't there the day that Jesus found me. I'm a friggin' miracle. <laughs> that I can speak the English language even close <laughs> to somebody's English. 
that I'm standing up here and still living? Come on, Linda, we're still living? Come out of darkness, straight up darkness. We shouldn't be living. Everybody we knew is dead. They all dying. But we're still living, hello? Mm. Stop settling for less. Humbly submit to being a supernatural species chosen by God to see signs and wonders and overcome impossibilities. Saints, that's who you are. You're to be filled, filled, filled with the supernatural spirit of God. Filled. I do say filled. Huh. Pastor said it last time. I didn't notice that, and now I know. <laughs> Saints, my life is epic. Epic. So is Joshua's, too. Your life should be epic and established in the faith. That means when you start putting into practice what I'm revealing this morning, you will be reminded why you had the courage to start this thing in the first place. Why did you have the courage to start this thing in the first place? Because Jesus was the answer to everything, and you actually believed it. You actually believed it. Do you remember when you believe that? Is it a faint memory? That's unfortunate because it should be renewed every day. Were you a lot happier then than you are right now? Then you need to repent. Believe, follow him, and be transformed. Mm. Where are you? Ask yourself that question. Was I happier then than I am today? Because you had no vision, you had no hope then, but you do today, right? You were spiritually optimistic and full of faith on that day, are you today? Because it's your key. Hmm. You were fearless. You remember that? You remember when you prayed and it sounded like a growl? You remember when you groaned in the spirit and you're like, man, that's the Lion of Judah. Do you remember when you were fearless? Do you remember when you were optimistically full of hope, full of praise? And for some reason, you just became so smart. Now it's kind of hard to do. You got to go back, pick up that key because you're overlooking it and move on. Hmm. Yeah, that's what it feels like to be baptized in the fire of God. You know what it feels like to be baptized in the fire of God? That day you first met him. Are you flickering now when you were actually a full-blown flame back then? Because you should be burning with passion, with full of hope and full of faith, full of courage, established in the faith. You know why? Because that's what Jesus did. He lived a life so radical, so full of trust in the Father that he said, you can kill me because my father is the source of life. Are you so calculated, so cold that you're holding on to everything and it's actually the thing that's locking the door? You got to unlock that door. You got to use the key to the kingdom and begin to live again. Mm. Yeah. Somebody want a soul on fire, amen? And you must remember that you have been taught this. Who taught it to you? Jesus demonstrated it. And every precious saint that tried to along the way has done so as well. This is 
what you were taught, Paul said. This is what you were taught, this faith. Not that faith, not that watered down junk out there. This faith, not that half-hearted, pathetic thing they call out there. This faith, radical faith, childlike faith, faith full of hope, faith full of love, faith, faith full of fearlessness. This faith, everything out there is a counterfeit. Don't lie to yourself. Don't let them lie to you. Mm. Saints, this is how this church began. This is how this church began. Fearless, boldless faith. Bold, bold faith. Fearless faith. We don't fear those things God said. We are bold as lions. Why? Because he said I am. This is how we begin. This is how we will end. This is how we begin. This is how we will be sustained. This is how we end. Everything else will be tossed right out these doors. No pansy men. No double-minded women. No faithless children that don't like what their parents do. I can't wait to grow up and get out of here so I don't get out under the rule of thumb of my parents. No! That's because you're not displaying kingdom. Don't want to be with you if you are because it's the most exciting life-giving thing you could ever do. No! We're going to demonstrate for them fearlessness and faithfulness. The Stratas didn't move here to start a landscape company. They moved here to win souls. The Gizzy didn't move here to have a physical therapy clinic. They moved here to win souls. The decals didn't invite the pastors in their house, right, just for a moment and then kick them out. No, they said, I brought them in because I wanted to know more what they have. Now we have it. Now the Lord's increased their square footage and they're going to give it because they care about souls. It's the only thing that feeds them. So much so they're producing their own. This is what it looks like to abound in it. And this is what he says, you must abound in it with thanksgiving. Saints Paul tells the Colossian church that you must abound in the faith, the same one that Jesus had. The faith that you initially placed in Jesus on, the, on day one and you cannot back up from. Abounding is not abiding. Abounding is not abiding. Abiding can have moments that are passive. Abounding is never passive. It's pervasive. It's never passive. It's pervasive. I was going to leave you with that one on the back end of that message. That's for later. You can chew on that later. Yeah. You know what abounding means? Parasuyo. To exceed the measure. <laughs> to exceed the measure. What measure? Well, let me ask you, what measure have you received? What measure do you believe that you have today? Some of you, there's different measures in here. Although all of you have received the fullness, each one of you believe you have a certain measure of grace from the Lord. And Paul says, you need to practice a lifestyle of exceeding the measure that you think you have today. Exceed that measure. Abound in this. Abound in what? Abound in walking in the faith that you displayed on day one with Jesus. Abound in it today. It is your key. Hmm. 
That's better than you. That's better than you receiving. Saints, when you are rooted and built up inside of him and established in the same type of faith that Jesus himself had, you are being taught to exceed the current measure of power that you currently walk in. Oh, y'all didn't get that. That's exactly what Colossians 2 is saying. When you are rooted and when you are built up inside of him and established inside of the same type of faith that Jesus himself had, you are being taught to exceed the current measure of power and grace that you currently walk in. You ever feel stretched? Yes. You're never going to stop feeling stretched. Never. Why? Because the spirit inside of you is expanding your current capacity. Because your measure is limited by your mind, but the mind of Christ is a mind that's always increasing the measure. Anybody want to go from glory to glory this morning? You want to participate in an ever-increasing kingdom? Yeah, then listen to what Paul says in Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive, no one steals your keys, through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than firmly established on Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah, get this one. Paul says that there is two things that seek to rob every believer of their keys to victorious living. Hollow, deceptive, philosophical traditions of men that have their origins in the mind of man. And number two, basic principles not dependent upon supernatural power to carry them out. Thieves. Those are thieves. They're trying to hijack your vehicle. Trying to steal your keys. Saints, you are a supernatural species. You are a supernatural, beyond the natural species of people called to follow only the constitution of the kingdom. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness. You need the key to unlock the measure of that. Who is the head over every power and authority in him? You were also circumcised in putting off the sinful nature. Now, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. He did a good job at it. Hello. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith. Watch this. Where's my faith? I don't know. Where's my faith? Where's my faith? It's in Jesus. Cop out. Where's my faith? Your faith in the power of God. The power of God has a name. We call him Jesus. Is he able? <laughs> is he able? What is he not able of? Oh, he's able. Who raised him from the dead because everything in between there is called your life and therefore makes him capable of all things. Saints, where's your keys? Mine are in my pocket. I have made provisions, disciplinary provisions in my life 
keep my keys close. Therefore, I always know where they're at. And that's the difference between me and hopefully none of you. I know I have the keys. Therefore, I put them into practice. Are you waiting for someone else to put into practice what God has asked of you? Because you hold the keys. I don't hold your keys. I check for them every day to see if I have the same access that I did the day I received them. And it keeps me moving forward in power. Hmm. Stand with me. Listen to me this morning and don't get distracted. Are you with me? If you have lost your faith in the power of God that flows through his son Yeshua. If you have lost your faith in the power of God that saved you in the past, you have lost the key to what it takes to empower you to be delivered today. But if you want the Lord to excite you, is that you? Do you want the Lord to excite you? Do you want the Lord to ignite you? Do you want the Lord to relight you? You're going to have to find those areas of your life today and begin to put your faith in action. It's time that you take the perisuio. It's time that you display that, that you put it into practice. It's time that you exceed the measure of grace that you believe that you have and trust him with the outcome. Therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Walk in him. Walk in him. Mark 16, 15 said to them, go into all the world and preach. <laughs> That's not my job. It's our job. If you went out into your city today and begin to open your mouth in faith, reach out to those that you think are untouchable in faith, invite them to church, invite them to your dinner table, invite them into your life. This place will grow. And we won't no longer be a ministry that feels like we parked our car and looking for our keys. We're going to put the key in the ignition and move forward because you're going to do so and stop watching your pastor do it. Go into all the world. Go into all of Denton County. Go into every city you live in. Go everywhere and take the muzzle off. Take the restraint off. Take the procrastination off. Take the fear off. Take off the chain. Take them all off. And go do something with what's been given to you. Go and preach. You're like, what do I do? Preach. Preach. The good news to all the creation. Tell your dog. Practice on your dog until you can get up enough nerve to talk to your neighbor. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Man, I'm waiting on you. Anybody ever need a ride? And you're like, man, I really wish somebody would come by and give me a ride. Man, there's people standing on the eternal road of life right now waiting for somebody to come pick them up. And you got a car, you got a key, and you're riding along in it with your drop top enjoying the S-O-N, hello, right? 
And you're like, I don't know if I picked that one up. He looks a little grungy. Hello. Right? No, he's begging for money. Nope, not that one. Oh, look, that one's clean cut. Put him in my cart. No, come on. Hmm. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Why? Because we're already condemned as a race. You need to be redeemed, and so do they. And watch this. These signs will accompany those who believe what we're talking about today. They will believe. You wonder why everybody tells you all these faith stories, but you don't have any of your own? Because you say you believe, but it's here instead of here. Right? Get out of there today. When you walk out of this door, right, go put your feet into action. Open up your mouth. Lay hands on people. Right? Go to the hospitals. Hello? You're, like, people should be going right now to the homeless center across from our church. Like, I'm not going. Y'all go. Yes? Amen. Then the Lord said that to you. You go. Not me. You have permission. Go. You need to be going to the homeless shelters and, and encouraging them. You need to be going to the streets and actually evangelize, not just hang out with you, each other. You need to be going to invite people to your family because this is a precious family. Because we're not going to reach all the nations until we reach this city. All the nations belong to the Lord and he wants to give them to you, but you got to. Use your key. Open up the door. This ministry is going to explode the day that y'all get what I'm saying today. And these signs will accompany every single person that believes.